0: The two men furtively exchanged glances across the bare, whitewashed courtroom in the Washington Navy yard, intrigued, it seemed, by the irony reflected in each other's eyes. Captain Charles Butler McVeigh III, a strikingly handsome man with slightly pouting lips, dark, dramatically arched eyebrows, a stubborn chin, and graying hair, sat ramrod straight in his chair, resplendent in his blue naval officer's uniform. His chest was ablaze with battle ribbons, one of them signifying the silver star, which he had won for displaying courage under fire. Now, in December 1945, the 46-year-old skipper was under fire again, and his cool manner once more attested to his courage. But no medals would be won in this battle, and not even victory could remove the taint of the catastrophe that had befallen his men. About five months earlier, on July 17th, McVeigh's heavy cruiser, the USS Indianapolis, sailed from San Francisco for the Pacific island of Tinian, and after unloading there the vital parts of the atomic bomb that would destroy Hiroshima, headed toward the Philippine Islands. En route, it was sunk by a Japanese submarine, and only 316 out of 1,196 men aboard survived. After floundering for five days in the shark-infested waters of the Pacific Ocean, most of them supported only by life preservers. It was the worst sea disaster in American naval history. McVeigh, one of the survivors, was being court-martialed for suffering a vessel to be hazarded through negligence, failing to steer a zigzag course, and culpable inefficiency in the performance of duty, failing to make sure his crew abandoned ship in time. He was the first captain ever to be tried by the U.S. Navy for losing his ship in battle, and his pain was all the greater since his family was steeped in naval tradition. And now the final humiliation. There, sitting uneasily as a witness at the prosecution's table, was Mochitsura Hashimoto— the 36-year-old commander of the Japanese submarine I-58, which had sunk the Indianapolis. Hashimoto's close-cropped hair covered a square-shaped head that broadened into expansive jaws, and his sizable pointed nose overlooked tightly clamped lips. His short, stocky physique was draped in an unpressed civilian blue suit and an ill-fitting frayed white shirt with the collar sloppily turned up. The contrasting images of McVeigh and Hashimoto lent a rather startling touch to the irony of the occasion. While McVeigh appeared elegant and calm, Hashimoto looked rumpled and anxious. One personified World War II's victor, the other, its vanquished, except that the victor in this bizarre courtroom context was at the mercy of the vanquished. This extraordinary confrontation brutally symbolized McVeigh's ordeal. The Indianapolis tragedy and its aftermath had transformed the skipper into a troubled, introspective figure his old friends could hardly recognize. He had always been a happy man who lived life to the fullest, never taking it too seriously, forever humming pennies from heaven or some other cheerful tune, telling jokes to his comrades over a dry martini, and at least until his second marriage, living up to his nickname Rabbit, which he had richly earned at Annapolis. He was constantly in search of feminine company, not a difficult pursuit since his charm, good looks, and athletic build, he had competed in swimming, tennis, and soccer at school, attracted some of the world's most beautiful women, including movie star Signe Hasso, who shared his cabin on a voyage from the Philippines to San Francisco. Another stunning conquest was the heiress Kinau Wilder, the great-granddaughter of Dr. Jarrett Parmalee Judd, the first missionary to settle in Hawaii, which at that time was a Polynesian kingdom. In 1831, three years after his arrival, his wife, a descendant of a pilgrim who came over on the Mayflower, gave birth to a girl, the first white child to be born in Hawaii. According to legend, Queen Kinau, a six foot, four hundred pound giant, kidnapped the child and refused to give her back to her parents. God will punish you, Jud warned the heathen queen, and he proceeded to perform a miracle to impress her. He turned his Bible upside down and pretended to read it, though in fact he knew the passages by heart. Stunned, the queen cried, It is a sign from heaven, and she handed the baby back to her father but the child, she demanded, must take her name, Kinau. "'I am sorry,' said Judd, "'but I cannot give this Christian child a heathen name.' Thereupon the queen agreed to be baptized, and the child was given her name, breaking an ancient taboo that no commoner could bear the given name of royalty. Together with this honor, the queen gave her adopted daughter— a choice piece of the crown lands at Waikiki where the family would live for generations in a beautiful mansion known as Kinao Hale or the House of Kinao.